0: Morning. So, how are you guys doing today? Doing well. Good to see you all. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Man, okay, I'm going to try this again. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Um, Today is the day that we celebrate about 2,000 years ago. There were all of Jesus' followers. He said, don't go out and try and do this work yet because I have to I have to really kind of, I got to give you some some of me to make that happen. So they met in this upper room, and they gathered there, and it was like 10 days after he said that, and he said, I'm going to get you ready, but you got to wait for it, that they were gathered in this room, they were praying, they were praising, but the Holy Spirit fell on them, poured out, saturated who they were, just filled them up, and they went out, and it says in power, started speaking the word of of Jesus, and that's when the church began. Amen? So day is Pentecost Sunday. It's everything. It's great. Hey, um, I do want to follow it up because we have uh, something on your way out. I want you to remember these cards. Uh, One of the things that we're doing as part of Pentecost Sunday, you see all the flags out there. They tell where we've taken mission trips to because one of the things that this Holy Spirit did came in power, but it was so that he would empower us as witnesses to go out. And so we try and go out into this world uh, and tell people about Jesus. But These are cards that have some of the unreached people groups of the world. So these are people groups that either, they don't have any missionary that presently is actually actively bringing them the gospel, or maybe that they haven't had received the word of God in their language, something, but they are unreached. And so on your way out, we're going to hand these out so that you can take these. You can put them on your visor, you can put them on your refrigerator, you can put them wherever you want. (laughs) but uh, that God would remind you to pray for them. One of the ways that we enter into the work that God is doing is through prayer, amen? And so uh, to keep these with you and to be praying for these people group that they may hear the word and may hear the name of Jesus be told the gospel so that they might also enter into that, amen? Okay, so don't forget that. I'm gonna tell you about it one more time so you won't. Um, Yesterday... Yesterday, we gathered together. There were several of us that were here, and we were doing some organizing and cleaning. It was part of a service day with our Rooted groups. Now, some of you guys have heard about Rooted. You're wondering more about that. You will be hearing about Rooted, because come this fall, we're gonna try and get everybody into Rooted groups, and so be looking for that. It's an exciting time, but part of what we do is we have a day that we just say, hey, we're gonna serve together. So some of us were here serving, and we were cleaning the church, and we came across, one of the things we came across was Several of these. Now, this is a, a lock. It's a padlock. And luckily, this lock has a key, right? Because have you ever found a padlock without a lock, without a key? Yeah, some of you guys are nodding, so I know you've had that experience. And then you search your whole, your whole assortment of all the random keys you found in your life, right? And you see. But if you don't find a key that goes to the lock, it's no good, is it? And it's especially bad if it's locking something up and you don't have the key, right? What do you do then? The key, I want you to think about this, the key is kind of like the authority that gives you the right to open up the lock, isn't it? Right? And who does that authority come from? Well, the master lock company. They gave you that authority. In fact, if you can't find the key, you write to them, and they issue a new authority, a new key, and you find out, okay, this one fits too, because you give them the number, and they, they allow, because it's like the authority that unlocks that lock and gives you access to everything that is locked up by it. In our passage this morning, Jesus says that he has been given authority as well. He's been given authority in all of heaven and in all of earth. And he wants us to know what he has unlocked for us. He also wants us to know that he has invited us into that. But let's stand right now together. We have some special readers that we've invited here this morning so I want you to take a look. This is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Bautizándoles <speaking> en <in> el nombre del Padre, del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo. Na kuafundisha fundisha ku yote ni lio wa muru niñi. Wa haa ana maakum kulla alayyam ilan qidae Amen. Amen. Okay, here it is in English. For those of you guys who couldn't follow that, like me. Um, Jesus came and said to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and know this, I am with you always even until the end of the age. Good news, huh? All authority, the key to everything, he said, had been given to him, and that he was now opening that up and inviting them in to be a part of that. Today we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, that Sunday where he, he, he like sealed that, with, that promise with his spirit and said, I will be with you always in it. So he poured himself out into them, that his spirit might go with him and with us into all the world as we carry out and continue to do this work that Jesus has called us into. That spirit, he said, you know what? I have the key. He said, I am the key, and I give you this key, this authority. This authority in all of heaven and all of earth to enter into this life that I always intended for you, to enter into this work that you participate in the very work and the very heart of God. Amen, so this morning, we wanna find out, we want to take that key, we, we wanna learn what it means that we have that key, that authority, and that Jesus has given to us, that gives us everything, That access to everything that God intended for us, everything that has been opened up to us in the name of Jesus, everything that has been poured out into us through his Holy Spirit, amen? This morning, the message is titled, The Heart and Power of of God, Father, this morning uh, we want to hear from you. We want to uh, understand these words that Jesus spoke. Not just about what kind of authority he had. Obviously, he had it all. But what it was that he was saying to us, what he was inviting us into. Through this commission, these words of calling, these words of invitation to join him in the work that he started and the work that he continues through his presence here in this world in the Holy Spirit, that work of redeeming, of restoring, of bringing us into the fullness of the life and the experience that you, Father, have intended from, from, from eternity past, before time began, before this, you even started this. This project called Earth and called this project of, of mankind and redemption, before you even began that, you said you had this intention that we would be brought into fellowship and in life, that we would become your children, that we would become your friends. And so, Father, we want to know about that. And so, Holy Spirit, on this day that we celebrate your, your um, just the, the pouring out of the fullness into your church, we pray that you would pour yourself out here that you would, you would help our, our eyes and our ears and our hearts to be open, to hear the words that you have to say, that we would be transformed in the ways that you work in us and through us, that you'd be, we'd be transformed by this word you speak to us. And we'd be lit up again by that very, that flame, that fire that poured out on Pentecost that we too would go out and make Jesus known to a world who needs to know him. So Father, take this space and make it yours. Take this place, make it yours. We give you our attention, we give you our hearts. We pray these things for your glory. In the name of Jesus, by the power of your spirit, amen. You can have a seat. You know, the church where I had I previous, um, previously pastored, just prior to this one, uh, in Denver, Colorado, we were a set-up and tear-down church, which meant that every week we would come in with our two big trucks and our two big trailers into this school, and we'd unload everything and we'd set everything up. So if you can imagine everything that's in here and the Children's Ministry Center and all that, we'd set that up every week, and then we'd tear it down at the end of the, of the Sunday, and then we'd put it back in the trucks and the trailers, and we'd go park them. We'd wait till the next week, right? And so every week, it was over and over. Um, now, what this meant, though, was that we also had this storage facility. We had a storage unit because we couldn't there were some things that we didn't need every week, but that we'd need occasionally. So we had the storage facility that we kept other stuff in. And it had like old sound equipment. It had old Christmas trees. It had you know decorations. It had folding chairs and tables and things like that. But it, it, these were the things that we would use every once in a while, but we didn't need all the time. Now, after 18 years of collecting stuff and kind of putting it in there and some people being a little bit more careful than others, nobody was quite sure all of what we had. Right? So we decided one day we're going to need a, a cleaning day as well. And so we, we came and we pulled everything out, and we sorted through stuff, and uh, had a cleaning day of our, of our storage unit. And well, one of the things that we found, we found this old church safe that was there. And it was a sturdy safe. It was heavy. felt like, you know, it sounded like there was some stuff in it. And, uh, and the one thing about it, it was, I mean it was fireproof, it was everything. But nobody knew the combination. And so, you know, you can imagine what we imagine might be in there, right? Because we're thinking, hey, maybe they, you know, put this in there and they forgot the combination as well. And maybe there's like months and months of offerings that they forgot to take out, you know, or maybe there's that that collection of, you know, gemstones that were donated to the church because that happens all the time um, that, you know, that they put in there for safekeeping and then they forgot the you know, they forgot they had them. And so we were looking forward to this and we tried everything. We tried every number we could come up with. We tried the founding date of the church. We tried, you know, the ex-treasurer's birth date. We tried everything to try and get this, this safe open. Could not get it open. And we knew that we would not have access to anything in that safe, no matter what might be there, until we had the key, right? The authority that was given to us in that combination. We had to find that. Well, we finally did. Finally got the, the combination. We opened it up. And, and I want to tell you, it was about as exciting. I don't know if any of you guys remember that Geraldo Rivera special where he was, he spent two, two hours to, to open up Al Capone's you know, vault, you know, and everybody was like, I wonder what's gonna be there. Well, there was about as much in our safe as was in his vault. We had some old unused offering envelopes, you know, we had a bunch of really nice rubber bands, you know, and paper clips, <laughs> but nothing. So a little bit of a dud there. and um, really just kind of a feeling of letdown, because you know you went to all this trouble of trying and get this thing open, and all you're left with is really just a nice safe, right? So um, the key that Jesus has, the authority that He says, and what it unlocks, he wants us to know one thing, is it's not like that. It is not a dud. In fact, he told a story when he was, he was telling parables and he said, you know what, the life, the thing that I'm offering you is a lot like if you came and you stumbled across a treasure in a field. And it was such a great treasure that you knew, you know what, you couldn't even afford to buy the treasure itself. That's how much stuff was there. But you could afford to buy the field, but only if you sold everything and you'd be willing to do it because of what you'd get out of that treasure that was in the field. He says, that's what this kingdom's like. So when he says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, he's saying there's a lot more here. This is not a dud. I want you to know what is unlocked here is the very life that God has intended for you from before time began. What is unlocked here is the, is the purpose and the calling and the participation in the very heart and work and purposes of God. And he says, and that's, it's not a dud. So he says, I am inviting you into it, and I have been given the key. In fact, I am the key, right? And isn't, isn't that what authority really is? Because a lot of times we talk of authority in different ways. We talk about authority as if it's, you know, somebody has authority if they have the ability to, like, boss people around, Right, or they can direct people in certain ways, or they can tell them what to what to do or how to do it, and and that's authority. Or maybe it's somebody that's been given that authority by somebody else. They don't have the actual; they've just been authorized by someone else to have that authority. Right? With this key, I am authorized by the Master Lock Company to open this up because they gave me the key. Right? We talk about uh, we talk about authority in this way. You're out playing baseball and suddenly cracks you know, the ball and they say, they hit that ball with authority, right? And it just means they, they hit it like they knew what they were doing. They hit it how a ball's supposed to be hit. They knocked it out of the park. Or maybe authority is, maybe authority is that person who knows in their, in their specialty, they're an expert, right, in their field, and they're, called, they're considered an authority. They know everything that they need to know. But all of those, don't they really say, is that person has an ability or they have a skill or they have a knowledge or an understanding that allows them to unlock things in a certain area that people that don't have that skill or knowledge or ability, they don't have the ability to access those things, right? So somebody's an authority in science and they can unlock all kinds of mysteries in in that area of science because of what they know. They have the key. I don't have that key, right? I go to a a mechanic, I take my car there because he has the authority to know when he opens the hood, he looks and he goes, oh yeah, that goes, right, I look in there and I go, I don't know what's going on. He has authority, I don't have that key. And Jesus says, Jesus says, I have all authority in heaven and on earth, all the possibilities all the potentials, all the good that God intended, I have the key. You know, in John 10:10, he gives us a glimpse into what he was talking about is being offered here. He says, you know, there is one, there's this, this thief who comes in to steal, kill and destroy. You're going to experience that in this world because the thief is out there and he's going to try and rob you of the life that God intended. But I have come, so that you might have that life and have it like overflowing abundantly. So when he says, I have the authority to unlock, he's saying, that's what I am unlocking, is this life that is going to bring you fulfillment, is going to be what you have always desired, is going to be what God has called and made you for and made for you. And so we say, you know, you think about it, it's like how many people look for that that kind of fulfillment, that life? How many people search their whole lives for that life? We look at somebody and they say, I love what I'm doing. I finally found the place that I feel like I'm doing what I was meant to do. Oh, I'm so jealous, right? Because many people just spend their whole lives looking for that. And Jesus says, I have, I have the key to it says, let me explain to you, let me describe for you what that life is that I have called you to, that I have called you into. And he does this in these verses. So I wanna take some time and just look at what Jesus said. I wanna take some time and just listen to what he said, what he said about this life, because he said, not only is this the life that we've been called into, the reason we're fulfilled by it is because this is the very life, the very heart of God, when we look at the life of Jesus and we say, what is the life that, Jesus, what, what is the life that God would live if he was here? This is it. He so said, this is what we are made for, and this is what he gives us access into. So the first part of that life, first thing Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, so go. And we go, already, Jesus, that's sounding a little heavy-handed, right? I have all the power, and now you're telling me to go. And I'm not even sure I want to go there yet. So we're going, I, I'm not sure, I'm not, but we gotta understand that's not what he's saying. That's not, that's not even what, what he's talking about here. He's saying, do you understand this? Our God is a going God. When he looks out and he finds that there are places where the, the thief is stealing, killing, and destroying, you know what he does? He gets up and he goes. So that instead he might bring life instead of that death. Right? He might bring fullness instead of that emptiness. He gets up and he goes in Isaiah 59, 15 through 17. It says that God was looking out and he was not happy because he looked out and there was no one that could bring bring salvation to the afflicted, that could bring justice to those who were being oppressed, that could bring that restoration to those who were being shattered and broken by sin. And so he got up and he went and he did the work because our God's a going God. In the life of Jesus, it says, Jesus, in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, it says, Jesus was sitting there in heaven in all glory and comfort and and safety and beauty and everything else. He had nothing to gain. He had it all. It says, but he put it aside. He got up and he came here. He went because, because of what we were lacking. It was to save us, to rescue us and restore us because our God's a going God. So he says, if you want to know what it is to enter into life as it was meant to be, I'm going to call you into the same work that you will become a going people, that you'll look out and you'll find, you'll say, you know, there are places that people are being, the the thief is coming and he's stealing, he's killing and destroying, and I got to go. I have to go. Because the Holy Spirit, the very life of God inside of me is just compelling me to go. And to change that, to work with God, to see that that's changed. So the first question that we ask when Jesus, as we look at this, this life that God has called us into, is we have to say, then who is it that God has called me to go to? Because He's called us all to go. It's not just calling us, not demanding, He's saying this is life itself. So, who are those people that God raises in your? You just have this compassion for them whenever you look out and you say, I gotta go. I gotta get up and go. I gotta go with the power of the Spirit and the authority that Jesus has given me. I have to go. I have to do something there. You guys, this church has been full of people that have just seen the need and they go and they go. We have flags around, around this whole lobby outside because we have people that have gone. He said, I wanna be part of this going. So who is God calling you to? Because life in Christ is this life of going. All authority, he says, is mine. I have the keys. I've opened the locks to my own kind of life, my own heart, and I have a going heart. So if you wanna find the joy and fulfillment of the life that I've intended for you, ask God, who, where do I go? Second, he says, go, and then Disciple. We go well, again. That sounds kind of oppressive, you know. You go and you train, you force people, you shape them into your own image. You, perform, you know, uh, disciple is an interesting word. I need you guys to know this. Disciple. So we disciple is not exactly the same as teaching. In this way, teaching is talking about the teacher and what they know, and them going down and, and how they transfer that knowledge to the other person, right? So it focuses on the teacher. Disciple is talking about the learner. And it's looking from the other side, and it's the learner, and their willingness, in fact, them seeking to learn. A disciple, one who is being discipled, is where the disciple has attached themselves to the teacher and said, I need to learn. Not convince me I need to learn. It's, I know I need to learn, and I need you to teach me. Discipling starts with an invitation. It doesn't start with kind of this, you will learn. It's not a forceful kind of a thing. It's an invitation that comes. So when Jesus, and when he, even when he said, follow me, it sounds like a command, and we're going to find out it was a command, but God's commands, they're like urgent invitations. I know this would be best for you, so follow me. But always knowing that we have the ability to turn him down. In fact, the rich young ruler, Jesus said, follow me. He said, "Nope, can't do it. So there were people that turned Jesus down. But he he offers the invitation because discipleship begins with the invitation. So he says, as you go, disciple the nations, all kinds of people, all languages and tongues and tribes and ethnicities and and status of socioeconomic levels and personality types, everyone, go and disciple all of them. But it begins with an invitation. It begins by saying, by inviting them into understanding and learning and, and discovering these things that you have found, that God has revealed to you, has given to you, has given you access to through Jesus Christ. So the second question, this is the first one is, who has God called me to go to? Second is, what would it take to invite them into learning about Jesus? Not to force them, not to hit them over the head with it, but to woo them in, to invite them in, to what would it take? Because each person is different, right? Each person is, is unique in, in, in what, what they search for and, and how they're searching. And what, so asking God, God, what would it take? Because you're an inviting God. When God invites us into his life, he Asked us to become an inviting people, not coercive. Our God's not coercive. He's not a strong-arming God. You guys, um, I said this morning, this is probably about as political as I'm gonna ever get. I have a real problem, not with the left and not with the right, with both sides and with Christians on both sides who think that by coercively forcing their agenda... And calling it Christian, that we can somehow Christianize a nation. Our God is not a coercive God. I think one of the biggest mistakes that the church that we hit was when they came up with the idea, you know, if we go into a land and we subjugate all the people, we can make them Christian by forcing them to do the things that God says he wants to have done. But in this, he says, no, you disciple them. That means you put yourself at their service and invite them into learning about God. So what would it take? Who is he sending me to? What would it take to actually invite them, not force them, invite them into hearing about Jesus? Now, if I were laying this out, if I had you know all these kind of super duper visuals and stuff, I would have five like big poles set up here, and this one would say "Go," and this one would say "Disciple" or "Invite," right? And the reason I would do that is because if you've ever had a, uh, if you've ever been in a um, Bible study with me, or if you stick around long enough to hear many of my sermons, you're going to find that I talk often about this thing called chiasm. I don't know if any of you guys remember me mentioning this before, but I talk about chiasm, and what chiasm is, all it is, is an organizational structure. And we don't use it very often, but back in Bible times and in Semitic culture throughout the Middle East, regularly in the ancient world, they would organize stuff as chiasm. And what that means is that you have a a part that has another part towards the end that it relates to, that helps clarify it. And inside of that part, you have another part here and another part, like a part B, that they relate to each other. And you work your way to the middle and your main points actually found right in the middle. Okay, so you'd have an A and an A and a B and a B and maybe a C, C, D, D, whatever, but you get to the X right in the middle and that's the point. And the reason I say that is because these words of Jesus, what do you know? They're a chiasm, which means that not only does he say go here, but then he talks about it back here. Not only does he say disciple here, but he's gonna talk about what that means and then he's gonna give us the main point in the middle. So when he says go, you know what he says? He says go because I'm a going God, but know this, you don't go alone, because I'm going with you. I'm with you, you know, it says always, literally it says, I am with you every day to the end of the age. You are not gonna get rid of me, because when you go, you don't go alone, and we need to know that, right? He's not just kicking us out and say, go, good luck, hope you get things. He says, I'm going with you, And I want you to to know something. This is is not just for you. This is the life that Jesus lived, too. This isn't just about something I want you to do. This is something that's in the very core of my heart of of who I am. Jesus said when he was on this earth, and he said, you know what? I don't do anything that I don't see my father doing first. He said, I don't say anything unless I hear my father saying it. He, he said regularly, you know what? I, I, w- the power that you see in me, this, this work, I am, I am ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit because from eternity past to eternity future, God has always been and will always be Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, a community of three. He has always been. So when he showed up and lived on this earth, he, he didn't abandon that. It's the very essence of who he is. So when he says go, he doesn't say go by yourself. He says, one, no, I'm with you. And that's what you know, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit was all about. God pouring himself out and saying, I'm going be, to bed myself. And you're, you can't, when you're asleep, you're asleep with me. When you're awake, you're awake with me. When you're, when you're out there working, you're working with me because I'm in you. He says, go, go, but you don't go alone. But the other is, he also says, I don't want you to go alone. When Jesus would send his disciples out, he didn't send them out one by one. He sent them out two by two at least. Because I want you guys to learn what it means to go out. And if God has given you a passion for a certain, you look and you say, what is God, who does he sending me to? I can guarantee you he's probably raised that same passion for the same people and someone else. Because he, he doesn't send you alone. As I want you to go find. So the first question was, who is God sending me to? But part of that is, who's is God sending me with? Right? Because he didn't intend for you to go out alone. Who is he sending me with? Because God is always building us into a community, always building us into the community that he has always known, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but making us a part of that and, and shaping us to be a part of that as we go with each other. Amen? Who is is God sending me to? Who is God sending me with the second? So he says, disciple. And at the end, he says, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. That's what discipling is, right? So it's the invitation. But once they say yes, then you teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Well, again, we go, That's again, that's feeling pretty heavy-handed, right? It's like, now I got all the keys, so do what I say, right? (laughs) Sounds like my my older sister. Just do what I... But that's not what he's saying, okay? Again, observing, that word to observe, that word to keep all that he's commanded is really a word that means to guard, to protect. It's as if the things that he said were so precious that we, we keep them under lock and key. We, we guard them with our lives. How many of you guys have been following Jesus and over time, I'm getting pounded from, you know, from both sides. And they're saying, did he really say that? And I don't think he meant it that way. And I think that, I think that you're all washed up. And I don't like when you do it that way. And I don't like that Jesus said that anyway. And I wish you wouldn't bring that up. And, and you go through enough of that. And you start asking the question. And you start going, did he really say that? It starts kind of leaking out, right? Because we got to guard it. We really do have to protect it sometimes. So it doesn't get kind of thrown out or watered down or, you know, that we really hang on to what Jesus said. And why does he say to do that? Because he said, you know what, this defines the life and the blessing that I've given to you, these commands. And we say, well, commands, again, that's a pretty heavy hearted thing. We've already said God's commands are really urgent invitations, right? If you're out walking down the street and you're about to walk right in front of a car, right? Right busy traffic and you're about to walk in front of it and somebody says no stop do you get offended at them because they were so direct and so clear and they tried to dictate to you what to do no you're going wow you saved my life because of how urgently you made that invitation because you could have changed your life forever by walking in front of that car couldn't you but it wouldn't have been for the good and they urgently invited you (laughs) to stay in a better life, didn't they? And so when God, why do we get offended at him when he says, don't murder? Not just don't murder when you don't feel like it, right? Don't murder, don't don't kill each other, don't steal. Don't take things that aren't yours. They may seem like they're gonna add life to you, but they're really not. I'm trying to protect you and I'm urgently inviting you into my life instead of the one that you seem to be compelled to. Sometimes he gets very personal about our our lives and he says, don't have sex with people you're not married to, that you're not entered into a covenant with, right? He says, don't have affairs with people you're not married to that aren't your spouse. He doesn't say, well, if you don't feel loving for... You know, if you're in love, so he doesn't say that. He says, don't do that. You may be compelled by something within you, but I can assure you, this is not the life that I have defined. I need you to guard that life because that's what it means to be a disciple. And any time that you add something to something God said or you take away from it, you're not increasing life. You're actually, you're diminishing the life that God has given to you. So he says, don't do that an urgent invitation and life of Jesus. Jesus was very careful to guard his life against immorality, but also what about he guarded his life against traditions that people said that God wanted, but they had nothing to do with God because he knew those wouldn't add to what God had for him. He knew they would actually diminish. So he says, teaching them to guard these commands, these, this definition of life that God has given teaching them to guard carefully because that's what it will take. That's what it means to be a disciple. So we have go, who do I go uh, to? Who do I go with? Um, how can I invite them? What are the things that need to be guarded, both in my life? What are the things that maybe I need to tighten up that I'm not guarding very well about what God has called me to be and do? And what are the ways that I need to model that for and to teach others that are asking me, that are taking up this invitation to be disciple? So work your way, and now we get to the middle, right? This is the main point, point. and he says, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them, and literally it says, baptizing them into the name. The name that is of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. What is that name? The name of Jesus. Why? Well, because authority is always tied to a name, Right? This authority is tied to the master Lock company. It's tied to, and all authority is, is tied to a person, uh, tied to a, a place, it's tied to a name. And Jesus says, it's his name that has authority in heaven and on earth. All authority has been given to him. And we say, wait a second, I thought it was the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Does that mean they all use the name Jesus? No, it's not talking about that. It's saying, they all affirm that this is the name. Listen to Philippians 2.9. It says, God the Father gave Jesus the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every tongue should confess to the glory of the God the Father, right? He gave him the name. He gave him that authority. It says in Ephesians 121, he seated Jesus far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is named, both in this age and in the age to come. God the Father said, this is the name. The name of Jesus. So by Acts 4.12, it says there's no other name given among human beings by which we must be saved except the name of Jesus. Acts 2.38, when Peter says, repent and let each, each of you be baptized into what? In the name of Jesus. Did he get it wrong? Was it supposed to be the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? It says, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Even the Holy Spirit is seen coming in and affirming this is the name because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. That's why we command healing in the name of Jesus. That's why we, that's why we bless people in the name of Jesus because his is the name. That's attested to by the Father and by the Son and by the Holy Spirit. His is the name. And so we are, and he says, so baptize them into the name of Jesus. What does that tell us? That tells us, you know what? He he doesn't want us to just, he says, you know, if you do all this, if you go to the right people and you don't go alone and you follow this life and you know, you're shaping and mentoring right and all this. He doesn't say, "I'll, I'll give you a thimble full of my authority right? And when you run out, you're done. You'll have to come back for more. He says, no, you know what? I'm going to immerse you into the name. I'm going to dunk you and saturate you with the name. And we see it in the the water baptism, but even more so, we see it when the Holy Spirit comes and he says, I am going to pour out my spirit and he is going to fill you from the top to the bottom. And you're going to walk out of here saturated in the name and the power and the authority and the heart of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's Pentecost Sunday, guys. Right? We are here is saturated in the name of Jesus. And he says, when you go, make sure that you let people know that they have a generous God. He doesn't hold back. Make sure they get dunked, they get saturated into the name of Jesus, that they know what they've been given access to. When we're baptized, we're not just saying, hey, I've chosen to follow Jesus. That may be part of it. We're also saying, do you see who my God is? He's covering me with Jesus. He is filling me with Jesus Christ, with his spirit, with his authority, so that I might go out and be able to do his work with him, do his work alongside him as a a fellow worker with Jesus. Jesus as a fellow worker with the Holy Spirit, as a fellow worker with God the Father. Amen? Go into all the world. (laughs) Go to everyone. Disciple all the nations. Invite them in, teaching them. Know that you're not going alone and baptizing them in the name, the fullness of Jesus Christ, into Jesus, the heart and the power of God. Amen? Amen. Amen.